One quick announcement. We're hopefully going to have our big screen TV over in the wing. For those of you who have been craning your necks and <laughs> and can't see that well, uh, the cables and the stand has already come in. We're just waiting for the, the TV. It's going to be, I think, a 47-inch TV, so that should be big enough to see, hopefully. So if you can endure today, then... Next Sunday, hopefully, if the TV gets here, we'll be in business. Let's prepare ourselves this morning in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. And during that time, we have the opportunity to name privately to God the Father the unconfessed sins which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful for Your grace, for the freedom that You have afforded us, for You are the God of freedom, and You have revealed to us that we can know the truth and the truth shall set us free. We're so thankful for the freedom that we still have to assemble ourselves together and worship You through song and through giving, and through studying Your Word. We pray that You will help us concentrate this morning, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. It has become somewhat of a tradition here at Country Bible Church on the Memorial Day weekend to read a citation from the Medal of Honor book. This is the Medal of Honor recipients from 1863 to 1994. And I go through here more or less at random to read a citation. Of course, this citation was read when the medal was given. And I don't know if it's ever been read again since that time. But I think it's fitting and proper for us to do so as we have set aside a day to remember those brave souls that gave their last measure of devotion to this country. In this case, it is... Private C. Tall L. Rodriguez. He was born April 26, 1923, in San Marcos, Texas. He was only 22 years old when he was in the battle that uh, this citation is given, and it was uh, the, p- the place of battle was in Manila, uh, Philippines. And the date of action was February 9, 1945. And here's how the citation reads. He was an automatic rifleman when his unit attacked the strongly defended Paco Railroad Station during the battle for Manila, Philippine Islands. While making a frontal assault across an open field, his platoon was halted 100 yards from the station by intense enemy fire. On his own initiative... He left the platoon accompanied by a comrade and continued forward to a house 60 yards from the objective. Although under constant enemy observation, the two men remained in this position for an hour firing firing at targets of opportunity, killing more than 35 hostile soldiers and wounding many more. Moving closer to the station and discovering a group of Japanese replacements attempting to reach pillboxes. They opened heavy fire, killing more than 40, and stopped all of the subsequent attempts to man the emplacements. Enemy fire began more intense as they advanced to within 20 yards of the station. Then, covered by his uh, companion, Private Rodriguez, boldly moved up to the building and threw five grenades through a doorway killing seven Japanese and destroying a 20-millimeter gun and wrecking a heavy machine gun. With their ammunition running low, the two men started to return to the American lines, alternately providing covering fire for each other's withdrawal. During this movement, Private Rodriguez's companion was killed. In two and a half hours of fierce fighting, the intrepid team killed more than 82 Japanese 
completely disorganized their defense and paved the way for the subsequent overwhelming defeat of the enemy at this strong point. Now, this is kind of given as a footnote. Two days later, Private Rodriguez again enabled his comrades to advance when he single-handedly killed six Japanese and destroyed a well-placed 20-millimeter gun. By his outstanding skill with his weapon and gallant determination to destroy the enemy and heroic courage in the face of tremendous odds, Private Rodriguez on two occasions materially aided and advanced our troops in Manila. That's just one citation. I have actually uh, two books like this. And it's because of men like him and their sacrifice that we are able to have the freedoms that we have today. I think it's altogether fitting for us to evaluate our own spiritual life. What is it like? What have you done with the freedom that came at such great costs? We think of the freedom, first of all, that Jesus Christ affords us by redeeming us out of the sin market, the, excuse me, the slave market of sin. We no longer have to be concerned about that penalty because Jesus Christ took care of it on the cross. He has set us free. We no longer have to be in bondage to our old sin nature. Moreover, there are others who have given their life. One of them was Corporal Rodriguez, or Private Rodriguez. He, by the way, was did advance to a corporal. But we also have those who have given their, their devotion in service. And I'd like at this time everyone who has been in the service and served this country, please stand. Go ahead. Don't be bashful. Let's see you. Let's show our appreciation to these men. David, you remain standing. This is David Crabtree, and he is uh, before long going to go into Afghanistan. Is that right? And so, uh, when when will you be deployed? Okay. Okay. So he's not going to be with us much longer. So um, I hope that you will give him your encouragement. And I hope that you know that your, uh, your service is appreciated by us and your, our thoughts and prayers go with you. Just give me another hand. What we must remember is that the security of this nation does not depend upon uh, anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ who controls history. I have a quote here. It says, The spiritual vigor of a nation and the true security of a nation are one and the same. It is the believer's attitude towards God and His Word that will deliver this country. And we certainly are appreciative of all the uh, efforts and the sacrifices made uh, by all those who have served, but we can't lose sight of the fact that God holds us individually as well as collectively as a nation uh, responsible for our attitude towards Him. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, starting with verse 10. I'll give you the background of this. Jeremiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. God had revealed to him that it wasn't going to be long before he was going to remove the southern kingdom. He was going to go out on the fifth cycle of discipline if they did not heed his warnings. That's the context for this particular 
part of Scripture. You'll be familiar with Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans. The suffering and the discipline that was brought upon these people is hard to imagine. But they were warned. And we'll see it in starting with verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Not only did they not have delight in it, but it was offensive to them. Verse 11. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary with holding it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the gathering of the young men together for both the husband and wife shall be taken. That means taken into captivity. The aged and the very old. In other words, no one was going to be spared because of their haughty, arrogant attitude towards God. Verse 12. And their houses houses shall be turned over to others and their fields and their Wives together, for I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And they have healed my, the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I don't know about you, but that kind of bring shivers to my spine because it sounds like to me he's talking to our nation. Because everything that he says applying to the southern kingdom applies to us today. I don't think we have as much to fear from the outside as we do the inside today. For there are those in high places that are trying to take the sovereignty of our nation and erode it and sacrifice it to the Globalists, those who would take our freedoms away. And it's been going on incrementally for a long time. And so we must be very vigilant as to understand what to do. And the, the very best defense for any attack, whether it is from an, another nation or it's from those within our own nation, is to continue to grow in grace and knowledge. For God is either going to deliver this country based on what you do with the freedom that He has given you and those that have served this country has given you. You will be answerable for that individually and we all will be answerable for it collectively. It's a sobering thought, but in the overall, or I should say maybe the larger scheme, the battle that has raged from before the earth was restored and man was created, the first man. I'm talking about the angelic conflict that continues to rage. And we have certainly evidence of it in our own time. But we have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to because we already know Jesus Christ has given us the victory. He's given us victory over death when He broke that slavery to death on the first Easter morning. Furthermore, if you know eschatology, if you know the things that are yet to come, then you can just just really be fully proud and even with great anticipation look forward to what Jesus Christ is going to do to set this world back right again. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait. He's the only one that can do it. But in the meantime, 
we are to uh, study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's what we're going to do with the time that we have left today. We're going to continue on the eighth floor of the divine domain, which is unconditional love for man. Now, the divine domain... Oh, by the way, I was going to show this, and I apologize for not doing it. I was, this is uh, the picture I was going to have while all this was going on. This is probably the most famous photograph that was ever taken. Uh, there's a real story behind it. Uh, the person that took it uh, didn't even have a, a, a chance to aim his camera. He was trying. This is, by the way, on uh, Iwo Jima, Mount Sarabachi on Iwo Jima, where it was tremendous loss of life on both sides. But he was trying to get up the hill, and as they were taking, uh, lifting the flag, he just lifted up his camera like this and took the shot. Had no idea if he had anything in it. And he sent the film back to uh, be developed. And later on, this is the picture that, uh, that he took. And, of course, at that time, this country desperately needed to be rallied, to have a shot in the arm, a boost. And this is, uh, I'm sure all of you have seen this. There's monuments made of this. Anyway, it's an inspiring uh, picture, and I was going to have that during the whole time. Uh, but... At least you see it now. So you remember where we were on the eighth floor of the divine domain. If you don't know uh, about the divine domain, I'd say it's time that you learn about it. <laughs> That's what we're here for. I was going to show you the uh, the graphic of it, but we really don't have time for that, and it's not coming up, so we're just going to press on with the unconditional love for man. That is one of the stages in the growth, the spiritual maturity. We're trying to get to the top of the divine domain, which is which a, a multi-storied multi castle, and I'm going to put up the notes that I would be using to teach this, because... Most of these notes are so powerful that if you're going to take notes, you, instead of just having to hear what I say and take it down, you'll have time to actually jot these down. Now, this particular doctrine is desperately needed today because people really don't know what love is all about. Most people have some uh, vague, nebulous, nebulous idea about love as an emotion. In fact, um, it's an emotion that makes a person feel good. That's what most people think love is all about. Uh, that's probably why so many people think that uh, sex is love, because sex makes you feel good, so that's what love is. Uh, actually, sex is an, one of many expressions of love between a husband and a wife. But as we'll see, it's it's absolutely uh, missed the target because love is based, or you could say that thought and respect are the driving force of love. Did you hear that? Thought and respect are the driving force behind love. And then you have emotions and sex that just are minor players that go along for the ride. And what we've done, I say we as a society... We have just reversed that. Thought and respect have just about uh, disappeared from the thinking of love these days. It's what can you do for me that's going to make me feel good. That's what love is for most people. Now, what I've just given you, you can see on the board there, which was just kind of an introduction. But these points, at least the first points we've already had, we get, went over them briefly last Sunday. But I learned from Scripture, from both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, that repetition is not bad. Repetition is good. I mean, that's how we learn. You heard it last time, and you probably think, well, I already, I've already seen these. I don't need to see them again. Really? Well, let me just turn off the screen, and I'll go to each one of these points. I'll tell you what it's about, and then you explain to me in your own words what they mean. You see, that's when you find out whether you really know something 
is that you can explain it to someone else. And when you've heard it over and over and over again, when you're on the front lines under pressure, then it will come right out because you've really got it. So we're going to look at the first point again. Unconditional love for others is commanded, but personal love is not. As as we've been focusing on the fact that the type of love that is commanded in the Bible is called agape love, A-G-A-P-E. And it's the kind of love that depends upon your character, your integrity, the doctrine that you have in your soul. That is what carries the day with regards to the command. Personal love is not commanded. Personal love is the type of love you have when someone is attractive to you. Uh, They probably have integrity. Uh, They are uh, making you feel good. They're giving you what you want. Now, there's nothing wrong with personal love. But that's not the kind that's demanded because, or commanded because it's the kind that comes naturally. When you have a rapport with someone, when someone is really kind to you, and they actually listen to you, and they have an interest in you, and you connect with them, it's natural for there to be a personal relationship, dare I say, a personal type of love. So it's not commanded because this happens automatically and it's normal. But what is not normal is unconditional love, to love someone who is really not very lovely, uh, uh, someone that is uh, maybe offensive at times, someone that doesn't really uh, float your boat. That's the kind of love that's commanded. The second point, impersonal love is a relaxed mental attitude towards the entire human race. Big order, huh? Entire human race. I don't want you to dwell on this, but maybe some of you already are. You're thinking about those people that are so obnoxious to you. Those kind that you just really uh, can't hardly abide. They just grate on you. They don't have to do anything. They can just be in your presence. And you start vibrating. I mean, I know that those types of people are out there. Of course, it doesn't have anything to do with you. You're Mr. Good and Mrs. Right and all that, but uh, there are people that don't have to do anything that would just... I don't know about the vibration deals, but they don't have the right vibe. Let's just say that. They're included in the command that we are to love every, with a relaxed mental attitude. You know, one thing that does not lie is body language. And there are people that can come into your periphery, come into your presence, and your body already starts giving out signals. Sometimes it's kind of from a relaxed attitude, like you just kind of you just kind of tighten up, like that. Your whole body constricts, like a snake ready to ready to get someone. And you know that's true. I I took some uh, sales training that was excellent, and they taught us how to read body language. And uh, one of them is when somebody has their arms crossed. Too late, Dot. I already saw you. <laughs> I'm going to take it that she's cold. <laughs> uh, Temperature-wise, not cold towards the word. I know better than that. But anyway, we, we give out signals because we just have an, a natural inclination to be hostile towards certain kinds of people. How would you like to have a relaxed mental attitude no matter who it may be? How would you like to have a relaxed mental attitude no matter what is going on? No matter what the challenge, whatever the problems, whatever the issues, you have a relaxed mental attitude. Would you like to have that? Well, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's altogether doable. But first of all, you have to know what's going on. And that's why we're here, to figure out how to do this thing about love. Isn't there a song something? Well, there's so many songs about love. Well, what is this thing called love? That's what we've got to find out. The unconditional type. Point number three, personal love is about a man's ego. That is mankind's ego, men and women. And unconditional love is about man's virtue. Virtue. You don't hear that word much anymore, do you? Dare I say it's not so cool anymore, virtue? 
If I told you right now to write me a definition of virtue, could you do it? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Virtue has to do with integrity, character. It has to do with someone who is sagacious. Now, some of you are thinking, sagacious? Some of you are saying, aha. Because we, we learned about this word uh, on, I don't know whether it's Tuesday or Thursday night. It means acute mental clarity, common sense. All these things have to do with virtue. It's not buying into all the lies. So personal love is about a man's ego. It's not wrong to love someone personally. I mean, they're attractive and you're, you're, you relate to them. That's great. But it will never be sustained. There is no relationship that has ever been sustained completely by personal love. And you know why? Because the person that you have this connection with isn't always going to be so beautiful. Giggles. I, go, I, tell you, I have to tell you what just popped in my mind. I don't know what age it was, but there was an age when I found out that girls aren't beautiful all the time. I think I was in high school and I was dating some girl. And when they come to school, you know, they're, they look nice. And today, I mean, you get a 15-year-old and they look like they're 20. They, I don't know what, they, they know how to do it right, whatever they do. But I dropped in on my girlfriend's house one time, and her parents were home. But she came to the door, and she had, back then they had rollers all in their hair, big rollers like this. She didn't have any makeup on, and she opened the door, and I went, <laughs> Remember body language? I just lost it. I couldn't even speak. I had to have unconditional love then. <laughs> it was a wake-up call. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. So it's all about virtue. Number four, we never have unconditional love for others until we first have love for God. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Did you hear that? Your relationship with God is going to determine how successful your relationships are with everyone else. And if you're out there trying to have successful relationships with other people and you don't have a day-to-day, moment-to-moment relationship with God, forget it. Your relationships are going to... Well, they're already in big-time trouble. So we love because God first loved us. And our reciprocal love back to Him is manifested by our love to others. Doesn't that make sense? We are just reflecting the type of love He has for us. So we never have conditional love for others until we first have love for God because we have no natural motive within our sinful self to love everyone. It's not normal to do that. What's normal is every time somebody offends you, Every time someone does something that you don't like, the idea, and it's totally accepted today in our society, don't get mad, get even. Revenge is promoted today. Humility, not so much. Point five. It's imperative that we learn and use unconditional love in our lives because if we don't, our relationships simply will not last and our daily contact with others will drive us out of our minds. Y'all remember that one? You know, getting ready for church sometimes can be stressful, can't it? Huh? I mean, there's things you have to do. Most people come to church clean. I mean, physically clean. They brush their teeth or they take a shower or they, you know, they gussy up a bit. And that takes some time. You've got to make sure the car is running. You've got to check the time, make sure everybody's on schedule. And sometimes that can be a major test. 
And so you get to church, hopefully, with an RMA. But some of you come to church and you can't concentrate because your mind is still back there on what somebody did or what somebody said before you even got in the car to come to church. Or if you're on the way to church and you have car trouble, oh, wow, that's a major one, isn't it? You're here trying to understand what God's plan is in your life and how to, how to live and be successful, be an overcomer and all this, and all you can think about is why did it have to happen then? And what am I going to do to fix it? Where am I going to get it fixed? How much is it going to cost? And then when you get in and start thinking about cost, oh, wow. You start thinking about the bills and how it just goes on and on. And the whole time the, the pastor's up there just teaching away and you're in there running this video in your head. You know, you're there, you're looking. And sometimes I've been behind this pulpit long enough to know when you're running a video like that. Because your eyes are kind of like, you know, just no one there. You know, that happens. We have to learn how to not let people, our circumstances, penetrate our soul to where it becomes stress. Because we live in stressful times. Point number seven. Our capacity to love increases as our impersonal love increases. Impersonal and unconditional are synonyms for this study. Most people think love increases when the object of love becomes more attractive. Isn't that true? Especially when you're in love. I mean, when you're in love, it's all about the other person, isn't it? I mean, they just get better and better. And they'll continue to get better and better until you see their feet of clay. Feet of clay is a metaphor. It means everybody stinketh from time to time. Sometimes literally, sometimes just metaphorically. Sometimes both. (laughs) And when you see that, That's when you have to switch to your unconditional love or else there's trouble in paradise. So the capacity to love that I'm talking about is not based on the object which you have no control over becoming greater and greater. We're talking about the capacity. Your capacity to love grows greater and greater the more that you understand that God requires you To love a person, it doesn't matter even if you know them or not, or you may be married to them, from time to time you have to switch to your integrity, your character, your virtue, your respect, your sensitivity, your thoughtfulness. All that in order to be obedient to God and even to just, for the sake of the relationship, to survive. Uh, Not... I hadn't got to it yet, but I'm just going to throw a little caveat in here right now because we'll get to this. You can't do this on your own. It's impossible. You don't have any more control over trying to grit your teeth out, uh, grit, grit your teeth and leave God out of it and be successful than I did having any kind of uh, control over my body language when I saw that gal come to the door that I didn't even know who she was. <laughs> at least I didn't ask her her name. I, at least I got that part right. Uh, number eight. One of the ironies of this is that when we allow our relationships with people to become more important than our relationships with God, we doom those very relationships. You, God demands, I come first. And if He's not first in your life, then it dooms your relationships. Because... It is your attitude towards God that is going to give you the power. It's going to give you what you need in order to continue to be kind and thoughtful and nice to someone when they're ugly to you and not retaliate. Some of us are in our souls are like some of these fighter jets you see on these uh, aircraft carriers. You ever seen those? They got bombs and rockets and machine guns and and 
I don't know what, they just loaded with it. And they're just waiting for someone to shoot them. They just can't wait, you know, get off the plane. That's how some people are. They just, they're, they're, they're armed to the gills. As long as you continue to be nice to them and there is no issues, everything's lovely. We just cross them one time and it's red alert. So your very relationships with others depend upon your relationship with God. Number nine, the durability of personal love depends on the function of impersonal love. you know what that's talking about? I suppose that if you're married, that somewhere along the line you are attracted to your spouse. I suppose. And then came the honeymoon. (laughs) And then there went the honeymoon. I don't know all about the honeymoon thing anyway. Um, Well, that's another issue. I'll get on that some other time. Um, The durability of personal love. In other words, if when you have a conflict with someone, when you have some type of adversity, you don't agree, something's got to give. Now, I'm not saying that unconditional love means that you throw in the towel every time there is a disagreement. But what it does mean is that you keep your relaxed mental attitude. You have to... I, I, by the way, I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've written a, a book here recently. Uh, hopefully it will be out before too long. Um, has to do with marriage. And one of the things that people need to remember is they need to attack the problem and not attack each other. But what we usually do is when we have a disagreement with someone, instead of attacking the problem, we attack the person. We are, I dare you disagree with me. I dare that you have, you don't believe the way I do. And then the beauty starts to fade. You know, some of the ugliest people that I've ever known are really attractive physically. And I know some Let me put it this way. I have known (laughs) some ugly people physically that were absolutely beautiful to me. Because it's on the inside that matters. And even the most beautiful people on the inside at times will turn ugly. And it's at that time that we have to draw from that inner resource that God has given us. The knowledge that it's time to switch to unconditional love and not attack them, not retaliate, and not be angry. Number ten, the old sin nature in all of us seeks unconditional love from others, but only conditional love in return. Only gives, In other words, we want everyone to treat us the way we want to be treated. Isn't that true? But not so much in return. We want to treat them however we feel at any particular time. Have you ever been in a bad mood? Huh? Maybe I should say, is anybody in a bad mood now? Some people give themselves an excuse when they're in a bad mood. But I don't care. I'm in a bad mood. And that gives them license to treat everybody in a nasty way. In their mind. Or they may think, You have your nerve to make me angry. It's your fault that I'm angry. So that gives me permission to strike back at you with all the force available, and it is considerable. That's what people think. That's what people do. The love that we have that is... We call personal love. We have an affection for someone, an affinity for them. We like them. We love them. Whatever it is, is conditioned. That is, the stability of it is conditioned upon loving that person when they don't deserve it because of the love you have towards God. God tells us, love that person. You can't do it on your own. When you have the right relationship with Him, then that gives you the motivation 
to love that person in a way that you couldn't, you couldn't accomplish on your own. That's what we're talking about. That's what sustains it. Point number 11. Unconditional love excludes retaliation, revenge, prejudice, discrimination, arrogance, hatred, self-righteousness, self-pity, jealousy, implacability, vindictiveness, slander, gossip, maligning, manipulating and judging, and that's the short list. And you know what's happening today? I thought about this. How many of y'all remember Jerry Springer's show? Have you ever watched it? <laughs> I have to admit, I've watched it. And it is Olson Nature's on parade. I mean, what they do, they've made a show about it. The more nasty you can be towards someone, the more inconsiderate and thoughtless, the better the show. And every time it gets to the critical mass, where it's about to explode, everybody starts, Jerry, 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 Jerry. They want somebody to hit somebody. You know, and they actually, they, they have the guys that hold them back and they pull their hair and bite and scratch and hit and all this. This is what the people want. And I'm thinking... No wonder our society is so dumbed down because that's what they're presenting on the TV. If someone came in there with some character, dare I say an aristocrat, someone that came in there that understood about unconditional love, they would stick out like a sore thumb and they wouldn't be asked back on the show because it wouldn't be all the negative energy. That's what drives that show. I guess what I'm trying to say is everything that you hear, especially the young people, is this idea of get back. You can't let them do that to you. And they never think about what Jesus Christ endured for us. It's not weak. It's strong. It takes character. It takes nothing to strike back at someone. That just comes naturally. We are naturally nasty, ugly, unthoughtful, insensitive. That is our nature, selfish. And that's just natural when it comes out. No, you don't even have to think about that. But to be able to have integrity and rise above the fray and do so as a reflection of what God has commanded you to do and in copying what Christ has already done for us. Now, that's something different, isn't it? And, and God doesn't say, hey, why don't you all get on board? I suggest that you do this. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. And when you don't obey this command, then you suffer the consequences. I'm going to go somewhere. I've got, see all these notes here that I'm not going to? These are verses. Uh, and here are the best. All these are by, way, are by way of review, and these last ones are the ones I really want to get to. Um, but I want to get to this point number 18. Can you all see number 18? Because some of you are visitors. I don't know if you'll be back. I want to make sure that you get this point, though, before we uh, close this particular subject today. Verse, uh, point 18 says, All human relationships depend on unconditional love. That's what I've been saying. It cannot be developed by gritting your teeth and making yourself be nice to people that you don't like or who rub you the wrong way. You can't do that. I mean, you can, if you do it, you're a hypocrite. You're telling somebody, Oh, yes, I like you. And you're gritting, you're doing it through your teeth. That's stony. You can't do it. Here's the thing. It can only be developed by growing spiritually as you advance through the floors of the divine domain. you know what that means? It means you can't come and hear this message today and hear something about unconditional love. Okay, God wants me to be nice to people. I got it. And you leave and you think you've got it. You don't have squat. Because this has got to be developed from the first floor, from the ground floor up. We're on the eighth floor. And people want to say, well, I'm going to, I'm just, I'll just drop right in on the eighth floor and I'll be fine. There's that thing called the sin shoot. Remember that? You'll be in the cosmic domain so fast and wonder what happened. You have to start, first of all, with understanding it's your relationship with God. And you can't have a relationship with God unless you know how to be spiritual. You're not spiritual just because you're warming a 
seat in a church. You have to understand the spiritual dynamics that God has given us. The first floor of the divine domain is what we call rebound. I don't know when the last time you sinned is. It doesn't make, you know, it's none of my business. But if you have not confessed that sin to God, then you are in carnality now. And everything that I'm saying doesn't even apply to you. You probably can't even understand it. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're either confused or you're somewhere else in your mind. You have to start on the ground floor. Understand that you learn by the power of God through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that only comes when you acknowledge your, acknowledge your sins to God. Where do you find that? Where is that in the Bible? People that go to this church and been here regularly, they can just close their eyes and that's all they see is First John 1, 9. They've used it a hundred zillion times. It never wears out. Every time that we confess our sins to God, we acknowledge them to Him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What about the sins you did you didn't know was a sin? What about the sin you did yesterday that you can't remember? He clears the deck. Now you're filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning you have power that you didn't have before. Until you learn that, forget about unconditional love. Do you think that you can apply unconditional love while you're carnal, while you're not spiritual? It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to do it. So you have to start on the first floor. And then you have to matriculate up the floors. That means you've got to have a certain amount of doctrine under your belt Seven floors of it before you can even get to that one. You have to, you, you learn about faith resting. You learn that you have to be hot. It's getting kind of hot in here for some of you. But that's not the kind of heat I'm talking about. It's an acrostic. H-O-T. Humble, objective, and teachable. And if you're not one of those three things, you have a life of misery ahead. Because God does not negotiate and He doesn't make deals with people. He says, do it my way. My way is acknowledge your sin to me, after you're a believer, by the way. Then I will empower you to fulfill my plan. And you have to be humble, objective. And that means that you have to admit that you were wrong about some things. It also means that you don't know everything. And that God will take a humble person and He says, what, says, I make war against the arrogant, but I give grace to the humble. So it's your choice. Do you want to have war with God, or do you want Him to give you grace, more grace, super grace, abundant grace? That's what He's offering to you. And then you have to grow in the Word. You have to be able to connect the dots. The people that go to this church regularly understand that when we're at this church, it's kind of like a schoolhouse. We're learning how to do it. But when they leave those doors, it's not like, okay, I'm in another area now. I don't have to think about God anymore. It's recess time. They understand that every single moment of every day, God requires of them that He is first and that He learns and applies His plan. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But He can make you wish you did. You have to learn how to love Him first. That's why the seventh floor is personal love for God. You ladies, especially you married ladies, here's one for you that you can relate to. God does not suggest, He commands, that you respect and obey your husband. And there are times, I'm sure you can relate to this, that He certainly doesn't deserve the respect, and you don't want to do what He says. But it's a matter of, am I going to do it my way or God's way? And when you say, I'm going to do it God's way, He commanded me to do it, and He promises that He's going to bless me when I do it, I'm going to do it God's way. You have power then. You have knowledge and you have power. If you don't have those things, it can get ugly. It can get ugly in any relationship if you don't understand the spiritual dynamics that God has given you to handle these issues. And that's why we're focusing on that. I, and I, I know I jumped ahead. Uh, you can see how many, uh, how much I had verses and points all in between. But I want to make sure that I wanted to get that one out. So I've told you what to do. Now, you can discount that and say, okay, well, that sounds good to me. What's for lunch? Or you can say, you know what? 
I want my relationships to be strong. I want them to be supernaturally strong. Here's the good news. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on God. And when you depend on God, then you're going to have that strength to make those relationships all that they should be. Strong. Durable. But you've got to learn something first. So if this is all a bunch of uh, confusion for you, that's okay. We have a website. And you can go to the fundamentals. I don't know what lesson it was. When did I start the divine domain? I started teaching that. Go, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 lessons earlier than this one. Just go somewhere towards the end and start looking. Find out where the first floor of the divine domain is. Go there and start listening. And you'll learn how to have successful relationships. Because if you continue to depend on other people for your well-being and for the relationship to continue, that's not very smart, is it? Do you really want to put your relationship at the mercy of someone else? Do you want to put your happiness at the mercy of someone else? Well, I've given you some food for thought this morning. And again, our hats go off to the veterans, especially to David as he goes over there. I want you all to keep him in prayer. David, I want you to get my email address, and I want to hear from you from time to time how you're doing. Okay? This time, I'd like everyone please to bow your heads, close your eyes. I do this for privacy. There may be someone here who is maybe motivated to have their life be better. But there's something more important than your life being better, and that is for you to have eternal life, the kind of life life that will be with Christ forever in heaven. You don't have to worry about death. It's no longer an issue. Jesus Christ took care of the sin problem. He died for your sins on the cross. He was buried. He rose again and now offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. It's not about your work at all. It's about His work. When you trust in Jesus Christ and His work, then you are guaranteed at that moment to have eternal life. You can do it right now. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to raise your hand. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You'll be born again. Your ticket to heaven is guaranteed. You can do it right now because God reads your thoughts. Because of your grace, we thank you that we still have that measure of freedom. But we also recognize that there are dark clouds looming on the horizon. But you are our strength. You are our shield and our salvation. We pray that you will give us the good sense to learn and grow so that we can be overcomers and look forward to the great things that you have for us. We pray this in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.